Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Jula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Darnell Nurse! Riley takes the snap, settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on The Voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Well, if you have some time tonight over the next few days, I recommend that you go online and uh, check out a documentary on the TSN website. I watched it this afternoon. It's about 15 minutes long. It is called Finding Murph. And it is about former Edmonton Oiler, former first overall draft pick in the NHL, Joe Murphy, now 50 years of age and homeless in Kenora, Ontario. I know Robin Brownlee on Oilers Nation wrote about this earlier this summer. Uh, really a very sad story. Uh, I, I think the word uh, unbelievable is is overused a lot, especially in sports, but it, to some degree unbelievable that uh, this has happened to a guy who was a really good NHL player, won a Stanley Cup with the Oilers, was a pretty good player throughout his career, but uh, Trevor Kidd is a part of it. Rick Westhead is the reporter for TSN that was out there. And uh, they find Murphy in Kenora, Ontario. They actually sit down and, and talk to him. And, and he relates some of the experiences that he's had and uh, a little bit on what it's like being homeless. They talk to members of Murphy's family. And uh, Murphy did have, uh, you know, some some head injuries during his career that it's, it's believed probably contributed to a bit of a you know, a personality change and uh, some pain and depression in his life. And uh, now he, he is homeless in Kenora, Ontario. So uh, a, a very uh, compelling story, certainly not a, not a happy story, but maybe there's a, there's a happier ending to this if Joe Murphy's able to get, uh, get some help. And I, I'm sure the hockey community will rally around this a little bit, but, but really worth uh, watching. And again, credit to uh, Edmonton's own Robin Brownlee for writing about this earlier this summer, which, which I'm sure got the ball rolling on this doc. It's called Finding Murph. I watched it on tsn.ca this afternoon. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. If you would like to reach out, you can text 630-630. You can also call 780-496-0063. The email, insidesports at 630chad.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. It is R-E-I-D Wilkins, same as Dominique, who we did have, uh, have on the show about a year and a half ago. That was pretty fun. Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer this evening. Uh, We will preview the Eskimos and Tiger Cats coming up tonight. The game is tomorrow, 4 o'clock for the countdown to kick off the game at 5.30. So Inside Sports preempted tomorrow for the game. We'll be joined in studio by uh, a guy working at the uh, highest level of his sport, FIFA referee and Edmontonian Dave Gantar. Hard to... 
uh, pin a time for him to be on the show. We've, Dave and I have been in touch for about two months to try to get him to come in because he travels a lot to ref games around North America. He'll, he'll tell us a little bit how that works, about how uh, he got into officiating, and uh, you know, there's uh, some pretty big soccer fans in some parts of the world. Uh, you probably noticed he'll give us uh, some take on some of. The, he'll give us his take on the video review that they introduced into the World Cup too. But we have uh, one of our loyal callers on the open line right off the top. John is standing by. Hey, John. Hey, Reed. How are you doing? Doing well. I wonder if we have time for a couple of quick uh, golf jokes. Well, are they as long as they're not filthy? No, they're never filthy. <laughs> this is great. We <laughs> got John calling in with golf jokes. standing there, and he says, man, this is the worst golf course I've ever played on. And his caddy says, it says in the golf course we left out about an hour ago. Oh, my. Okay. Oh, yeah, and the yeah. second one is, man, I'd l- move, this is a golfer saying it again, I'd move heaven and earth just to break 100 on this course. And the caddy says, well, try heaven, you've already moved most to the earth. <laughs> I can relate well, to those two well, jokes. Well, those, those are good ones, though I don't have a caddy when I play, John. Yeah, no, neither do I. <laughs> uh, you know, I had two comments. One is on two new stars for the Eskimos, but I don't know if you read if you heard... Uh, Dave Dickinson's interview at halftime with the Saskatchewan-Calgary game? I didn't get to hear it. I I, uh, I started watching that game right at the start of the second half. Oh, okay. Well, he came on and he said, you know, we're supporting this diversity initiative. But then he said something I thought was really, really thoughtful. He said, you know, I hope in the near future we won't need to, to celebrate diversity because everyone will be treated as an equal. And I thought, man, I thought, I'd expect something like that from Wally Bono or Hugh Campbell or any of the real good communicators that are coaches, and I just thought, good for you, Dave. Kudos to him. Well, I, I hope he's right, John. And uh, I, you know, I, I, look, we, we, most of us know the stories of uh, the Jackie Robinsons and the Willie O'Rees of whatever sport. I mean, and. It's not solely uh, related to skin color necessarily. I mean, the Eskimos also celebrated Joey Moss uh, being part of the Eskimos organization, and, and obviously his work with the Oilers is, is well documented. But, I mean, there was a time where um, men and women weren't allowed to play at the highest level of their sport simply because of the color of their skin. So I think it's, you know, I, th- I, I think we're, we're past that, ho- hopefully, but it's still uh, good to celebrate some of the pioneers in, in those areas. Absolutely. Yeah, I hope we're making progress, Reed. Yeah. Uh, you know, I had two uh, bright stars at the Eskimo game that I wanted to comment on. Brian Mitchell had a spectacular game. And he's just another weapon that we can use on the offense. Mm-hmm. And then I thought Shaq Cooper was outstanding. He has blazing speed. He has the ability to cut. And I just thought, geez, you know, we now have Gable and Cooper and a real good running attack. And when it gets cold, those are the guys you really count on. I, I just, I, you know, I'm, I'm excited for the Eskimo offense. Um, the defense is still a work in progress, and there's guys coming back, and we still aren't at uh, full speed for the secondary. But, I mean, you can see the progress, I think. And, and once we have the starters there, then the, the defensive coach can start doing different schemes. It's hard to do that when you've got so many guys missing. So I did kudos to them, and I just got really excited about these two new guys on offense, man, I just uh, John, think we're going to be okay, Reed. John, uh, 
Did you see the Eskimos depth chart this week? No, I didn't yet. Sha- Shaq Cooper's a healthy scratch. Gable's oh, back in. Crumb. But I think, I mean, Gable's got experience. I, I don't, like, Cooper's fast. I don't know if he's as good a runner after contact as Gable, because Gable's really good yeah. banging between the tackles. Right. But, I mean, Cooper did have a good game. You give him credit for that. We'll see what kind of a career he has. But they, they did take Cooper out because Gable's back in. Uh, Mitchell... Uh, this is just the depth chart, with which isn't necessarily how they're going to lie. Mitchell is listed as a backup to Kenny Stafford at okay. wide receiver, but I'm sure he'll get on the field. And does that chart have Robinson back in there? Uh, well, no, he got six game, didn't he? I don't know. I thought he was just one, but I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, no, it has it has Gable as the running back, McCarty, Normand, and Green as the fullbacks. And they have do they have a punt return guy listed? Smith. Oh, Smith. Okay. Smith well, I thought he was quite good, actually. Uh, he's got potential, he yeah. I mean, the Eskimos haven't won the return game battle. Yeah. I don't think. No. But uh, but hopefully they can start getting some better returns because they often allow, they're allowing longer returns than they gain most nights. So true, we'll and they're also, the the coverage is still a work in progress. we got to plug the hole that seems to be there in the middle of the punt coverage and the kickoff coverage. John, it's always a pleasure to hear from you, man. Thanks for the jokes. Yeah, you're welcome. Anytime, Reed. That is John at 780-496-0063. I was at Eskimos practice yesterday, and I asked head coach Jason Moss uh, if they're if they're losing that battle in the uh, return game and the kick coverage game and what they can do about it. I think any t- time you step on the field and um, you want to return everything, um, you want to win that battle every week. Do we win it every week? No. Are there weeks there where it's tougher than... In- uh, tougher to do, yes. Um, you know, are we satisfied? No. I mean, we just got to keep working at it. So, regardless of the situation, you know, our our, our cover teams, our return teams, uh, are doing their jobs. Can they do it better? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're trying. We're working at it. You know, we've got a lot. Of, the thing that I don't think people understand when you talk about special teams, when you have injuries to your offensive defensive players, it's one thing, but that also directly affects your special teams too. So, you know, we've we've been dealing with a lot of injuries, a lot of moving parts on. The, on those teams um so i don't think we've quite hit our stride where we're going to be just yet but uh you know by no means you know i'm not disappointed at all in it i think at the end of the day we've won some battles we've lost some battles and i think that's a lot like our season's been on offense and defense as well um you know so we're not going to win everyone um but our guys the efforts there uh the attention the details there i watch the guys come in every day and meet with our coaches uh they care and all that so you know i know those returns will come i know we'll stop guys you know and and, and and I have a lot of confidence in our special teams. All right, so uh, Jason Moss, uh, you know, saying basically saying it's not all bad, and and uh, and they work at it. I mean, look, the uh, I guess you can simplify it this way. I'm probably oversimplifying it. What they allowed a missed field goal return for a touchdown against Winnipeg, won the game, and they had a punt taken back for a touchdown against BC, lost the game. The Eskimos have not scored. A kick return touchdown, and and I and I do think it it overall has been costing them field position. We'll see if Jamil Smith helps uh, in the return game and if they can sort out the coverage a little bit. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text six thirty six thirty. Morley Scott from Hamilton is uh, coming up after the six thirty news for uh, a little more on. The-
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, you'll hear from, from Jakob Jarabek, the new Oilers defenseman, when we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, Jared and the Eskimos ready to go in Hamilton tomorrow. Man, I'm still thinking about that Secrets of the Empire VR experience I got to have at the at the Void at the, at the uh, rec room in West Edmonton Mall. Open on the weekend, I got to go to a media preview. Uh, a week ago. Kellen, have you gone yet? You got to go. Oh, I haven't yet. You got to go. That's what I hear, yeah. It's VR beyond... I, I mean, I've done the VR where you're like in a cubicle and you're tethered to the ceiling and you're in a virtual environment. But this one, you're walking around, you're feeling heat, you get to grab stuff. Oh, cool. It's like being in a Star Wars movie. It was nice. really cool. I, I feel like nice. I don't want to give away too many spoilers. I, I, I'm excited and I want to share about it, but I don't want to give away too many spoilers, especially to fellow Star Wars aficionados. It, it, what, did I, what was it? it? It's between two of the movies. Okay. Cool. It's between two of the movies. Oh, say no more. I'll go check it out. All right. We'll leave it at that for now. I trust your judgment, Reed Wilkins. Well, I'm glad somebody does. Because <laughs> yes, I don't think most people do. Uh, all right. Uh, Jakob Jerbeck on Oilers Now earlier today. Brendan Ulrich sitting in for a vacationing Bob Stoffer. He is the new guy signed by the Oilers on Monday to a one-year contract. Left-shot defenseman. He can play either side of the ice. Here's his description of his own game. I can tell you uh, like, uh, a solid defense and uh, like a good division. Uh, I can make the pass. Uh, a good breakout and uh, uh, a quick transition. All right, so quick transition, breakout passes. This is uh, what we've heard about Jerbeck from uh, uh, broadcasters and scouts who have seen him play. So we will see if he can help the Oilers in that regard. Uh, look, if you were assuming Andre Secker was going to be better than he was last year and maybe even return to his form of 16-17, uh, Jerbeck's not going to be that good. If Sekra wasn't going to... Uh, play better than than last year, then perhaps Yerbeck can uh, can jump in there and do a little better. He'll be competing for that six seven defenseman spot, and of course, uh, Oilers training camp now less than one month away. You know, I I was thinking a lot about a lot of the uh, pessimism about the the Oilers this summer, in uh, in contrast to the optimism of last summer, where some people, both inside and outside of Edmonton, were picking them to. You know, maybe finish first in the Pacific Division, maybe win the Western Conference, maybe even win the Stanley Cup of all things for the first time since 1990. And it uh, it went bad, and it went bad early, as you all remember from last season. And I, I was just thinking about the really the futility of making predictions because because what 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 we have what do we have as 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 sports fans and observers? We we tend to have a bias towards the most uh, most recent information that we have right i mean right now well geez washington looks pretty good don't they uh the jets look pretty good vegas looks pretty good 
guess Tampa Bay still looks pretty good. I mean, sometimes there are some dramatic off-season changes where you look at it and say, oh, geez, I don't know, that team is looks like they really got a lot worse or really got a lot better. Tavares going to the Leafs should make a, a, a very good team even better, I would think. I'm sure there will be some people picking the Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. But once it all gets out there, so much can happen, and there are always teams that drop off, and, and there's... I mean, sometimes you're just going with your gut. And that's, I'm, look, a a year ago, I thought the Oilers would be a really good team. And I I actually think I picked them to finish with 102 points, which would have been a one-point drop-off from their playoff season. Uh, I I did not pick them to win the Stanley Cup, though I thought they could finish first in the Pacific Division. Obviously, they didn't. I I just, for fun, was was looking through some predictions from, from last year, and I actually found a, an article on the Sportsnet website where uh, it was a couple of analytics guys used analytics to do their projected standings for each conference. Because, of course, uh, and, and I actually enjoy reading about all the analytics. I, I, I don't talk a lot, of, a lot about it on the show, but I, I think there's really a lot of interesting stuff there. And, you know, I know a lot of the analytics people say, well, we're not, you know, we're not just relying on our gut or whether or not we like a player. We look, we look deeper into the stats and we, we, we have numbers that we think reveal more and, and uh, you know, about what, who players are and what they can do. Well, this, this article predicted the Oilers to have the best record in the Western Conference. I'm going to say that again. This uh, analytics article predicted the Oilers to have the best record in the Western Conference. Uh, obviously... They they did not. So uh, the analytics people were wrong. The uh, non or the you know the more traditional observers were also wrong about the Oilers. So I guess maybe all the pessimists are going to be wrong this. Year. I, I I actually think the Oilers will make the playoffs. Do I think the roster is good enough to win the Stanley Cup or go deep into the playoffs? Well, right now I don't. Things could change along the way. Uh, look, they got to be to get into the playoffs. have a chance they get to win about seven more games when you look at it that way that's one win a month if you count april as a month it's, it's shorter there aren't as many games in april can they do that yeah i think they can i asked matt benning oilers defenseman about the team bouncing back i thought that last year we were just very inconsistent and a lot of times we'd lose one or two games and we couldn't stop the bleeding and i think that that's that's uh internal i think that I'm not saying that we have a bad group of guys, but I think that that's something we need to figure out as a group. And um, I think that last year we kind of came in um, maybe a little bit uh, lackadaisical and um, teams teams pounced on us. Um, and I think that moving forward um, that there's there's a lot of opportunities for everyone to move up and down the lineup, especially with the season we had last year. And... Um, I think that guys will kind of realize that after the season we had last year, and a lot of guys are pissed off and hungry for, for the playoffs again this season. All right, a little bit from Matt Benning. Talked to him yesterday at the Perry Pern camp. Jeremy from Glendon texting in. Says, hey, Reed, I like the Jerebeck signing. Cheap depth guy keeps Bear down in Baco for another year, hopefully. Do you think this is the year Caleb Jones gets some time with the Oilers, or does he need more time? His development seems slow for a guy who played for the American World Junior team a little while ago. That is Jeremy from Glendon. Uh, you know, they weren't drafted that far apart, but Caleb Jones was picked before Ethan Bear. When I when I've seen them play in the Oilers, uh, you know the camps and, and the the rookie uh, events, I've always thought Caleb Jones was a uh, a more well-rounded defenseman than Ethan Bear. I think Bear might have 
more of an offensive ceiling to his game. Uh, I would hope this is the year Caleb Jones pushes a little harder and maybe gets some time with the Oilers. That's a fair question for sure. Mike texting in while well, talk about making predictions and talk about of the pessimistic variety. Mike says Jason Moss will be fired and should be fired after the back-to-back defeats by Calgary. Mike not even worried about Hamilton tomorrow. He's already calling two losses for the Eskimos against the Stampeders. Well, we'll worry about the Hamilton game first, and we'll talk about that with Morley Scott when we get back after the 6.30 news. Your texts to 6.30, 6.30 are always welcome. Coming back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. After the news. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. For the 45, Mazzoli flags fly as he throws. That is complete. Tasker has it. He gets across the 20 to the 10 to the 5. Touchdown. He's got the ball again. He wants to throw this time. Stands in the pocket. Now he has to run, then throws to the end zone. And Banks will make the reception coming out of the end zone and then just turn around and take two steps back into the end zone. There's another touchdown. It was a rout back on June 22nd. Hamilton crushing the Eskimos 38-21 on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. Jeremiah Mazzoli, 332 yards passing, three touchdowns. He also ran seven times for 59 yards. Hamilton outgained Edmonton 528 yards to 348. The time of possession, almost 36 minutes for the Tiger Cats, just over 24 minutes for the Edmonton Eskimos. It was uh, a whooping. It was the Eskimos' uh, worst loss of the season out of the three they have experienced. This is Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio 630. Ched and the man who called that game and all of the green and golds encounters, Morley Scott on the line. Morley, how is the hammer, buddy? Uh, it's great. Actually, we're in Burlington. Uh, we're staying in Burlington this year, which is great. Uh, it's uh, uh, Downtown Burlington has a different feel to it, say, than downtown Hamilton does. That's for sure. We're right on right on the shores of Lake Ontario. It's a beautiful spot here. So, yeah, we're enjoying it. All right. Well, I'm not it, saying Hamilton is not a great place to visit, but it's just not a great place to visit, if you know what I mean. Oh, well, geez, there you go. That, that's, that's really nice, Morley. <laughs> uh, I, I played a couple of your uh, touchdown calls of the Tiger Cats just – crushing the Eskimos a couple of months ago. I, I was in Dallas for that game. It was the the first round of the NHL draft, so I, I you know, I was kind of following the first half. I got back to my hotel room and, and listened to you and Dave on uh, online through uh, through the radio player app, uh, calling the game on 630 Ched, and it sounded like you were calling a game in an empty stadium. I mean, there, there weren't even, it didn't even seem like there were positive plays for the Eskimos in that game. Yeah, a lot of guys, uh, talked to a couple guys this week about that, Reed, and, and uh, Mike Riley in particular today I was talking to, and that was pretty much the low point of the season. Although it was only week two, it was a game they, they really got manhandled, and 38-21 to was the final score. Ticats scored 24 points in the first half. Uh, I think it was 24-14 after the first half, and they never really looked back. Jeremiah Masoli, 
loves playing against the Eskimos. He's now 2-0 and against them. His numbers are better against the Eskimos than any other Western-based uh, team. So uh, the team that brought him to the CFL, it's the team he seems to take his frustration out on if he has any. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's been really good. Of course, he set the record a couple of years ago uh, for consecutive passes, breaking Jason Moss's record. And then uh, uh, last uh, June, uh, end of June, he had that terrific game, uh, maybe the best game he's played in his career, people say, uh, that game at Commonwealth Stadium against the Eskimos. So he'll be tough. they got some great receivers, too, on the, on the Hamilton Tiger. Especially if they're healthy. Uh, this game read interesting enough will feature four of the top five receivers in the Canadian Football League. Uh, Duke Williams and Darrell Walker are one and two, and Brandon Banks and Jalen Saunders are four and five, and Kenny Stafford is number eight in the league. So uh, the footballs will be in the air uh, tomorrow for this one because uh, there's some real good receivers and, and two quarterbacks who love to sling it. So five of the top receivers in the league, and that's not counting Bryant Mitchell, who obviously hasn't played enough to, to be near the top, but all he did was uh, play after usually being a healthy scratch and get seven receptions for 128 and, yards. And against... Strangely enough, Reed, he's going to be probably a healthy scratch again tomorrow because Adele Hazleton's going to come back into the lineup, and uh, he'll be in in place of uh, Bryant Mitchell, who comes out. Uh, talk to Jason Moss about that today, and I just said, how tough is that? He said, extremely tough. It was a really hard decision for him to make, but he said, uh, which is which kind of eases it a little bit for Bryant Mitchell. I think he, he said going into the game last week, Mitchell knew this was the case. He knew that when Hazleton and, and Moss told him when Hazleton gets healthy, he's got his job back. Jason Moss is a very strong believer in you do not lose your job to injury, that you get your job back when you return. You have to keep it when you return, but you get your job back when you return. So he's giving Vidal Hazleton, who comes back after uh, missing everything except for part of the game uh, in week one against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers when he got injured. Uh, he gets back into the starting lineup uh, tomorrow. And as Moss says, hey, this was the lineup we had going into the season. These are the guys we feel were the best receiving group that we can put together. We want to go back to that and see where it takes us. So uh, it's a tough break for Brian Mitchell because, man, he couldn't do anything more than he did last week, could he? I mean, uh, over 100 yards, a touchdown, played a real strong game. Uh, but he'll be watching tomorrow night, it looks like. Even caught a pass that wasn't intended to him. Yeah, you know, I'm glad I'm glad you, you gave us that update because uh, John, who's a big Eskimos fan, called in and asked about Mitchell and Cooper, and I said, well, Cooper's scratched. Mitchell appears on the depth chart, but they, they there's always a couple guys that are scratched off the yeah. actual depth chart, right? And people can download this off the Eskimos website, too, if they want to look. Yeah, that's uh, the course. They have the 46-man roster, and two of them are uh, healthy scratches uh, uh, going into the game, which they okay. announced an hour before. And that's uh, usually been uh, Bryant Mitchell and the extra offensive lineman, which will be J.S. Wagon tomorrow. So uh, that that's the situation. It's interesting that the two guys after Mike Riley, the two guys who had the best game offensively for the Eskimos last week, are out of the lineup this week. But that shows you what kind of depth they have. And there's no, and, and, and Jason Moss said it on the coach show this week on 630 Chad, that CJ is our guy, and he gets the job back because he is so good in so many other things. And, and everyone knows Cooper did a great job, and they're very happy for him. But CJ Gable is uh, probably a better runner, probably a better pass protector, and probably a better guy coming out of the backfield. Uh, Cooper had a great debut. There's no doubt about that, and they're pretty happy with that. But as Jason Moss said, CJ is the guy. And he'll be running with a chip on his shoulder tomorrow night, too, because uh, he wasn't very happy with the way things ended with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, I think it was a Friday that he had the best game of his career, and then Monday he was traded to Edmonton. So it was kind of a weird situation uh, of him leaving Hamilton last year, and the Eskimos were so glad to have him. Uh, uh, today, Mike Riley said that he really feels that 
CJ kind of put them over the hump last year. He gave them a spark when they needed it near the end of the season and got them on that roll that, of course, they had the big win streak at the end of the season as well last year. And he said uh, CJ was a big reason for that. So they're looking forward to getting him back in the lineup. And, and he's going against this old club, a team that traded him away. So I think he's pretty anxious to, to come back and have a good game against the Ticats. Well, and speaking of that, Morley, wasn't, I mean, to bring Mazzoli back into it, wasn't Mazzoli's success part of why Gable was traded because if Masoli played exceeded a certain number of games played his salary went up so they had to they had to trade Gable to, to free up some space to pay yeah, Masoli wasn't there something like that fact, yeah that had to do with also the fact that uh, Zach Claris wasn't playing and then they, they had gone away from him and you knew there's going to be change there and he of course in Saskatchewan now but yeah you're right because Masoli was playing and getting the start at the end of the year uh, his bonuses were going to kick in, and that was going to put them too close to the cap, so they had to make some room. And that's why that's part of the reason why John Chick was traded as well at the end of last year. Hamilton was uh, Hamilton was in the dumps about the halfway mark of last year, and that's when they started to dump off a lot of salary to make room for that and to, to start to make some changes for this year. Morley Scott joining us from Burlington, one city over. The Eskimos play the Hamilton Tiger Cats tomorrow. It's on 6.30, Ched. Pre-game show at 4. The game will kick off at 5.30. Dave Campbell along with Morley on the road trip. The Eskimos offense has uh, obviously had some some frustrating sections of games this season, uh, but overall they've, they've been fairly productive, and you, you mentioned that certainly the depth of receiver, and Riley's the leading candidate for the MOP. The other two areas of the game are interesting because Morley, I, I wouldn't describe the defense or the special teams as, as weaknesses, but I also wouldn't describe them as strengths. I mean, the, the points against is, is you know, decent, you know, they've allowed kind of between 16 and 25 most games, which gives you a chance to win. Uh, they have a couple return touchdowns against. Um, you know, they don't they don't have a lot of long returns for. I, I, I mean, you're around them every day, and, and you're more in, in tune with some of the lineup changes and maybe subtleties of, of the talent at certain areas. But I, I guess maybe that's what I get, the I, how I feel. There's maybe just... There's there's nothing wrong with those areas of the game, but maybe they're they're missing a playmaker or two. Is that fair? Uh, I think you're right, and I, I think well, let's start with special teams. And uh, Jamil Smith now back into the lineup. This will be I think his third game back or second game back. And he was a guy who they had earmarked to be that returner. He got hurt in week one and went on the 16 injured list, so he's back now. So they hope he finds his groove. The other thing on special teams, Reed, is uh, they're they're their injury situation because all the guys who seem to get hurt this year, especially going back to the Montreal game in in Montreal, the game in Montreal at the end of July, that's when they lost a bunch of special team guys. I mean, uh, their their uh, their leading special teams tackler Blair Smith, who's been just terrific in that department, he's out. He's on the six game injured list, so they they have issues with him. Money Hunter was real good on special teams, but they had to take him out of the lineup when all the def- all the defensive backs got healthy. So Forrest Hightower's in a defensive back. Money Hunter's been moved to the practice roster, so that uh, leaves pretty much Nate Ajay as the as the as the lone guy who's got that high total of, uh, of uh, special teams tackle. So they're missing a lot of guys because of injuries off special teams, and it seems everybody who gets hurt uh, on offense or defense has a special teams role as well, and that's what's been the big problem. Uh, kickoff return yardage uh, against them has been really big, mm-hmm. uh, especially the two games against Montreal. They've had, they've had some issues, and they've got to shore that up. I don't think there's, 
there's any doubt about that. They know that Jason Moss has, uh, has addressed that a couple of times, and, and hopefully he feels that uh, getting a healthy lineup back, get back in as quickly as he can, will help that situation for sure. The kicker's doing great. There's no issues with the kicking game. The punting game's been pretty good too from from Hugh O'Neill. But um, uh, they they need they haven't got they've got a couple of good kickoff returns. Like it's funny because Jamil Smith is I think third in the league by about a fraction. Third in the league. He, that close to second in kickoff returns, just over 25 yards per kickoff return, but he is last in the league among the everyday kick returners in punt returns. So they got to get a little bit more out of him on the punt return, which of course happens more often in a football game. So you want to get more there. So they got to work on that for sure, but uh, they have some issues on, on special teams, which they're working through. Defensively, I just think the defense is going to get better the more they play because they're pretty much to the situation now where they're 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 pretty healthy for the most part. They've got uh, uh, Malumba Shemanga back and, and Konar back. The, the only regular, I believe, that's out on defense is Neil King at the safety spot. Josh Woodman goes in for the third straight game uh, uh, tomorrow in his place. So uh, they're kind of putting the pieces back together. They got Mike Moore back a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they're pretty much set on defense. I think they're going to get better as they move along on defense. They've got some guys on defense who have having some pretty good seasons led by J.C. Sherrod. So I, I, I know the numbers aren't great right now, but I think the defense in the next uh, month or so is going to get a lot better. Okay, interesting. Uh, Chris texting in, where's John Chick now? Uh, John Chick retired. I think late March, I want to say. I just quickly Googled Yeah, it. I believe it was Good Friday he announced his retirement. Uh, got and that to, I surprised mean, the Eskimos, too. They made those changes at the defensive end spot. They traded Odell Willis, and they released uh, you know Marcus Howard and Philip Hunt and, uh, and the other guys. Uh, was one of the guys. I can't remember now. They released him as well. And, and then they thought, well, they're they're still going to have a pretty solid defensive line because you're going to have John Chick coming back for the last year of his contract and Daquan Bowers coming back. And then both those guys retired. Really surprised the Eskimos. So uh, that's why the defensive line kind of became uh, makeshift and had to make some changes to bring guys in. So uh, that kind of caught the Eskimos by surprise. But I think they're over that now, and they've, they've settled in nicely with the group they have playing on the defensive line. John Chick, uh, he he was uh, a great to interview, and that story about uh, Jeff Reinbold driving his stuff across yeah. the country that might have been the best interview I did last year. That was that was incredible. Uh, Morley, I'll let you get back to the nightlife in Burlington. Thanks for setting the table tomorrow. Uh, I'm sorry we disappointed Eskimos fan John that both Mitchell and Cooper are likely to be scratched tomorrow, but hopefully the rest of the guys can put a W on the board. Thanks, buddy. You bet, Reed. Anytime. As Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Eskimos here on 6.30 Chet. So there you have it. Uh, big games for Mitchell and Cooper both out. Jason Moss sticking with the old adage, you don't lose your position because uh, of an injury. It's funny, somebody texted in earlier. Uh, where do I have it here? Uh, if Brandon Zilster becomes available, do the Eskimos have room for him and who would get the short straw? Well, I, I think if he became available and was going to come back to the CFL, he'd have a lot of interest around the league. Uh, I mean, if you consider Mitchell's getting the short straw with Hazleton coming back, I would think Hazleton would get the short straw if Zilstra came back. Because I don't think you're taking uh, Stafford, Walker, or Williams out of the game since they're all in the top eight in receiving in the CFL. That would be uh, that, that would be something if Zilstra came back. If you think the Eskimos have depth at receiver now, if they got Zilstra back, uh, maybe sometime in September. That would be pretty amazing. It is 647. You can always text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Uh, we'll update some uh, some baseball, both the majors and uh, what's going on at the Little League World Series, some other local football to talk about, and FIFA referee Dave Gantar is coming up in studio.
your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. about John Chick. So how about this one? Another texter saying, uh, what's Mike Labinjo, the big 400-pound defensive lineman, doing these days? Is he still playing? Wow. That's uh, a name from the past. Labinjo, <laughs> uh, well, they got him at about 285 pounds. Uh, man. I, uh, he's not still playing. I've, the most recent story I have on him is him being traded by the Stamps to Montreal in, in uh, 2014. That's funny. Is this this is going to set off a, uh, a questions about ex defensive linemen and what they're up to these days? Yeah, where on, are on they the now? CFL line. edition. Yeah. See, <laughs> see, how quickly can Reed Google these names? <laughs> Depends how far back you want to go. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can text 630-630. Canada eliminated from the Little League World Series today, losing 9-4 to Puerto Rico. Uh, That was uh, obviously, uh, it's the double elimination tournament, eight international teams, eight uh, American teams. So Canada out on the international side of the draw. The Toronto Blue Jays this afternoon, a 6-0 win over the Baltimore Orioles. Thomas Thomas Pannone, quite a story for the Jays. He took a no-hitter into the seventh inning, his first major league start. Says he wasn't putting too much pressure on himself before the game. Didn't really hold myself to any expectations. I just wanted to go out there and execute a good game plan and and, uh, just give the team a chance to win. And felt like I did that. All right, so uh, he did give up a hit to the first batter of the seventh inning. The Blue Jays kept the shutout to win 6 nothing over the Baltimore Orioles. Blue Jays obviously not having a great year, 58-69. and I check that Orioles record every few days because it's kind of hard to believe. They are now 37-90 and on the season. So on I mean, pace they may for 100 not, losses? They may not win 50 games. Jeez. They may not win 50 games. When's the last time an MLB team had 100 losses or more in a regular season? Well, it happens every year. 100 losses happens almost every year. But well over 100 losses. Wow. I mean, the Tigers of uh, what year was that? Oh, two, I think. Oh, they were bad, yeah. They were 119, 120 losses. Mm -hmm. So the Orioles, uh, 37 and 90 on the season. Huskies and Wildcats, junior football. 7 o'clock, Clark Stadium on Saturday, game two of the season for both those clubs in the Prairie Junior Football Conference. The Wildcats open it up on the weekend, a 19-3 loss against Winnipeg. The Huskies crushed Calgary 66-zip. So Huskies and Wildcats will go head-to-head on Saturday. Philadelphia Flyers forward Sean Couturier suffered a right knee injury in an off-season game on August 10th. Expected to be out about four weeks. The uh, Flyers saying he will be a partial participant in training camp. Remember, he was uh, hurt, uh, hit by a teammate uh, late last season as well. So uh, same knee, but uh, not the same injury is what the Flyers are saying. So four weeks, you'd think that he's going to be able to start the season. Uh, okay, guys. <laughs> Uh-oh, did we start something? This texture says, uh, better question, what's Jared Zabransky doing these days besides throwing interceptions? Oh, come oh. on now. Come on now. Hashtag too soon. <laughs> We had Jared Zabransky on Inside Sports. Oh, I want to say, when was it? About a year? Was it in January of 
probably 17 or 16 because we talked to him about the upcoming who whoever was playing in the one of the bowl games in the NCAA at the time and he was part of that Boise State team that pulled off those miracle plays to win uh, going off memory here I think it was the Fiesta Bowl over Oklahoma in 2007 so we got some of memories uh, from that and I can't remember what he said he was up to at the time I'm sure was- we would have asked him and talked about it also, the cover athlete for uh, the video That's, game. It's that came amazing out. how many people mentioned that. Yes. Hey, Jared Spress, he was on that video game. Yes, he was. It's because a lot of people bought that video game, Reed. Did you buy it? Yes. I do not have that one. Wasn't well, it, after uh, it was released. So. It was an NCAA game. <laughs> he was on the cover of NCAA Football 08. Yes, there you I go. have that. The second. Now, no, I just went to his Wikipedia page. He is the second of the game's cover athletes to date to go undrafted. The first uh, undrafted athlete Tommy Fraser who was on College Football USA 97 Uh, I believe I bought that used for my Sega Genesis from Blockbuster Video because who didn't rent Sega Genesis cartridges from Blockbuster Video? Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down-home Southern food and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. I do know this. The uh, the new Madden game is out. I think it's been out a couple of weeks already. One of my buddies bought it. Haven't heard from him since. Uh-oh. He's probably played five or six seasons already. <laughs> he's, one of, he's one of those guys. Dynasty Madden's mode. a national holiday, and then he you know plays careers and franchises for the next month. Very special guest coming up. High-level soccer ref, the highest level, Dave Gantar, Edmontonian, next on Inside Sports. 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.